Hey, my friends, before we get started this morning, I wanted to let you know that I have created a link, timdouglasinspires.com forward slash schedule now, where you can schedule a discovery call with me if you have any questions about you know your life facing the storm or anything like that. You need someone just to hear where you're at and give you some uh, maybe some direction. I'd be happy to do that. Go to timdouglasinspires.com forward slash schedule now to schedule a discovery call so we can just chat and love to help you, love to serve you and add value to you. So also this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Naked Warrior Recovery was founded by Will Branham, who is a 26-year Navy SEAL veteran, and he discovered CBD uh, while he was with the teams, but waited until after he retired from the teams, then um, saw great benefits from it. So he said, I got to get this in the hands of other people like me who struggled and suffered through um, just life, right? And, And the storms of life. You can actually hear his podcast. I did a podcast with him just a few episodes ago. Definitely go check that out. But this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Check them out. They're awesome. Will's been gracious enough to give us a code. It is Buffalo20. That'll give you 20% off your entire purchase. So go check Naked Warrior out today. That is at nw-recovery.com. Hey, welcome to the Inspired Way podcast. I am your host, Tim Douglas. And if you're wondering what the heck is the Inspired Way, well, let me just tell you real quick. There's a few things that we can learn by watching cow and buffalo and how they face their storms. The cow will see the storm coming. They will turn the opposite direction away from going the same direction as the storm, trying to get away from the storm as fast as they can, run into the beautiful blue sunshine out in front of them, dark clouds behind them. However, the storm always catches them, which increases the amount of time, stress, frustration that they have to deal with that storm because now they're running in the storm and with the storm. The buffalo, on the other hand, sees the exact same storm coming. They turn towards that big old dark cloud and they face the storm. They run into the storm. And by doing so, the storm passes over the top of them going the opposite direction, decreasing the amount of time, stress, frustration, and pain that they have to deal with that exact same storm. And I know that is so true in my life. I've seen that play out time and time and time again, or when I try to avoid some things, it always costs either myself or others frustration, stress, and pain. So I wonder, are you facing your storms today or are you running from them? This podcast is all about facing those storms. Thank you for being the buffalo. We need more buffaloes, more people facing the storms in their lives today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to the Inspired Way Podcast. This show is designed to inspire and empower you to face the daily storms of life with passion, strength, and courage. We believe that we can be transformed by the testing of these storms, growing stronger, not wavering in our faith, and a knowing that our endurance will be strengthened. And when it is all said and done, we'll be perfect and complete, body, soul, and spirit. For we seek to control the controllables and nothing more. Our goal with this show and company is to keep a posture of learning by renewing our minds daily and taking action on what we have learned so that when the storms of life come our way, we are ready to face the storm. We, 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 we are ready to face the storm. Hey, my friends, welcome back to another great episode of the Inspired Way podcast. I am your host, Tim Douglas, and I'm so thankful that you have tuned back in and I have a treat for you today. Uh, today, I have Joel Manby. Many of you probably never even heard that name, but after today, I assure you that you will want to dig into his world. He is what I would call leader of leaders. It was a pleasure to sit down with Joel. He is the author of Love Works, the seven timeless principles 
of effective leaders. You might be wondering, well, what qualifies him as the leader of leaders? Well, he has uh, been the CEO of 25-year CEO of these major corporations and organizations such as uh, SeaWorld, Saab, Hershend Enterprises, which is an entertainment theme park business uh, company. Joel has had a number of years in leadership and has learned a number of leadership and life lessons through that time frame. And then he's also found the solutions uh, to each of the concerns that he has found. And he's uh, he knows a lot about building strong teams and creating corporate cultures that thrive amidst of adversity. And man, when you hear his story, he has seen his share of adversity. He has seen his share of storms. I'm super excited to share some of these things with you. And we talk a lot about kindness and truthfulness, but we also talk about how confronting someone is not conflict, how disagreement is not conflict, how we can disagree in business and in life. Um, he talks very vulnerably about his personal past and how his time as a CEO affected his his personal life, but then also we dive deep into the world of leadership and and his what the struggles that he found there and what we can learn from all that. So man, get out your pen and paper, get ready to take some notes. Joel is a wealth of wisdom. Like I said, 25 years of a CEO. He's an author, he's a speaker, and I'm excited to bring him here today to you. Without further ado, Joel Mamby. Welcome to the show, Joel. Well, thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, man. So prior to us hitting record, we were talking a, a lot about uh, leadership and whatnot. And before we do that, I do want to let the listeners know that you have a book out and you just released the second edition of that book. And yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that book and then we can maybe dive in from there? Yeah, absolutely. The book's called Love Works and Seven Timeless Principles of Effective Leadership. And Tim, it really came out of uh, of 20 year search in my own life of trying to find leadership that I respected and that I wanted to follow. And I started with 20 years in the auto industry and really learned a lot more what not to do as a leader than what to do. Man, and yeah. I was, I was a, and still am a believer uh, in what Jesus teaches. So I always wanted to try to live out my faith and work, but I just didn't see any good examples. When I got to Hershend Entertainment, which was a theme park company, in my 20th year, I became CEO of that company and switched from autos to theme parks. I was taught how to lead with love by the owners. Mm. And it was a transformational moment for me because for the first time, I saw that you can lead by treating people well and get fantastic results. Now, I, I would have left it at that, but... I had a great opportunity to be an undercover boss, which was CBS's hit program yeah. a, a number of years ago. And when the people, we, we were lucky, we followed the NCAA quarterfinals and 20 million people saw our program. Wow. And I was so inundated with notes and letters and cards of other frustrated people that were having the same angst that I had had of, mm. there must be a better way to lead. Come on. That literally, I have four notebooks, probably thousands and thousands of letters that I decided then to write this book to show people and like your listeners that you can treat people well and still have an incredibly successful business. And I define it as leading with love and go through seven words in the book that are the paraphrase of agape love. So that in essence is, is what the book's about, but happy to talk about it. Uh, yeah. 
What are the words by, by, uh, by chance, the seven words? Do you have those? Absolutely. Um, it's a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13, the letter from Apostle Paul. And they're uh, being patient. Like, remember, love is patient. Love is mm-hmm. kind. It's truthful. It's trusting. It's unselfish. It's forgiving. And it's dedicated. And uh, you know, a lot of people, I will say, before we dive into a couple of those words, yeah. So many Americans or Westerners, when they hear leading with love or they hear servant leadership, some are turned off by that because they, mm. think, they think it to be soft. They think it to be, I'm not holding people accountable. And that's absolutely not the case at all. And the reason for that is, you know, in the English language, we only have one word for love, right? It's, it's, and it was, unfortunately, people think of it as kind of the soft, romantic, erotic love. The Greeks, on the other hand, have four different words for love. Eros for romance, phylos for brotherly love, yeah. storge for parental love, and then agape, which is unconditional love that is a verb. It is a behavior. It's not how you feel about somebody. It's a behavior and how you treat them. So mm-hmm. these words are meant to be definitions of behaviors. That's so good. That we would actually teach it to our employees, measure it, review it, and then we would reward it as well through pays, pay increases, bonuses, and promotions were all based on not only hitting the financial numbers, but hitting these seven words. Wow. That's so good. You know, some of the things you you said just really struck a chord, two things in, uh, well, three really, but one, you said, you know, finding leadership or searching for leadership that you, you could respect and follow. So when you said that, it just really, I have um, been in leadership in many organizations and have seen leaders that just, uh, I, I had a really hard time respecting, uh, followed them, um, because it was my, my job as, as you know, the role that I was in and right. uh, on leadership teams still followed them, but yet it was hard. And because you, 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 you want to go the right, the way that you feel is right. Or, you know, the way that you've, you've, you know, in my mind that I've studied and learned and taken notes from some of these other leaders and seeing them go the opposite direction. So that is tough. And I think, finding a leader where, like you said, as you went to, um, that other, what was the organization? I'm sorry. Um, Hershey entertainment. Yep. Yeah. And, and really learning how to learn through or lead through love, but not in the soft way, right? Not necessarily always in that soft. Um, and when, when you said that it reminded me of a book that I'd had, I've had this book probably 20, 25 years or more. And it was Mm -hmm. called the hidden value of a man. And it was by, I think it's by Gary Smalley and uh, Trent is the other John Trent. John Trent, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it talks about soft love versus hard love. And there's a time to be firm. Um, There's a time to be uh, firm in leadership and not always be soft. And I know, man, as a CEO of major corporations, I'm sure you've, learned, like you said, you've learned different ways of doing it. And my question is, you know, to, to our the way, the terms that we would put it is, you know, being the cow and avoiding um, a situation versus being the Buffalo and facing the storm or facing that situation. What have you seen? What are in that dichotomy of these two different worlds, right? Of love or leading through love or just a, a, 
unrespected way of leading. How did, how does that, you know, I know you've seen a lot and yeah, learned sure. a lot. So what, what ways have, have you seen where not leading and avoiding situations have created issues versus actually just, and I say that, I say like facing the storm is, is out of love. It's out of love for you that I had that tough conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you, you're absolutely right. And you've hit on probably the, the most misunderstand aspect of leading with love. Um, I completely resonate with what you're saying. And by the way, I had never heard that analogy before mm -hmm. of cows versus buffalo. I love it. Um, and you're exactly right about leaders who think leading with love is being nice all the time. And it's just absolutely not true. But let me, let me just juxtapose those and answer your question by picking two of the words uh, that I talked about. Absolutely. One is kindness. And, and, but kindness, my definition is to show encouragement and enthusiasm mm -hmm. for somebody. It is not being nice all the time. You can't be nice all the time. We have to hold people accountable. Now, when we hold people accountable, I think that it should be done privately and, and you should be kind of praising in public and you should admonish privately. And when you admonish people, there's a way to do it, which we can talk about if you want to get into it. However, it has to happen because kindness and grace without a, the second word, which is truthfulness, is, is just like in the Bible and talks about truth and grace. This is you know, truth and, and kindness we must be truthful with employees. And in fact, Tim, I'd say the most, if, I, if you ask me of the seven words, which one is most often failed at in companies I consult with or have led, um, and you're right, I've led for 25 years, I've been a CEO of four different co corporations. So I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. I think truthfulness is the most common error of leaders. It's difficult to do. A lot of leaders tend to avoid conflict. In the General Motors world, they would just kind of, if you didn't hit your numbers, the easy out is just to fire somebody versus, you know, and if you start doing that, then the culture will not take any risks. There's no innovation. No one's taking risks because they're afraid of getting fired. Right. That, that's a terrible culture. The great culture is when you, we teach people how to be truthful to those who work for them. And one really simple model I use is um, you know, start, stop, continue, basically. What, what do you need to start doing that you're not continue doing that's great and stop doing that's really bad? So you give them some positive with some negative. But in our organizations, anything I've ever led, if you, don't, if you have not sat down and been truthful with someone and there's a documented track record of the start, stop, continue with chances to improve, I would not allow anybody to be fired. And that creates a culture where you better be truthful with people. And if they get let go, they better not be surprised. Um, otherwise, you know, shame on you as a leader. So you've hit on something that um, you know, I, I talk a lot about in the book. I go into these principles in much more detail of how you can lead with love and still get great results. Yeah, and I think, uh Man, that is, that's really good because as you said that, I was sitting there thinking, I've, I've had this conversation, I've had it with my wife, I've had it with some other leaders of mine, uh, some friends, that one of my, and I, I had this conversation recently with a friend um, who, who's a leader themselves and we've, we've, we've had some conflict and um, their method would be to just avoid it, 
um, and not deal with it. Right. And um, t- but to me, I, I look at that and I go, okay, so I'm I'm struggling here, and I man, that, this is a great opportunity to to ask you and have this conversation with you. And I would love to pick your brain on this because this is something that I've been um, kind of uh, we we've coined this term back in Boise when we planted this church called uh, pranking. It's praying and thinking, you know, so you gotta, you gotta think, gotta put some thoughts to some things, but you need to be praying too. So it's like, we're smashed them together and we're pranking, but it, 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 I've been pranking on this and really kind of just chewing on this a bit. And it is, I understand that, that conflict is not easy, but confronting someone is not conflict. Right. Yet it is always seen as conflict. Right. And, and the backside of that is the reason why I feel like confronting someone, um, confronting someone, number one, for me, is just getting clarity, right? I'm going to confront you on this issue because I need some clarity on this. I, un- I need to understand why you're, you did what you did or you chose to say what you said or whatever that may be. It was hurtful to me. It was hurtful to others, whatever it may have been. But I'm confronting you and asking you what was this about? Or I'm confronting you to let you know that that was, that was the case. Hey, this felt this way, you know, but it's most people want to avoid that because of the back end of that, which is conflict. And I think we get into conflict when there's, you know, I I call it slinging mud. And when the conversation turns from getting clarity and trying to help one another understand why it felt that way or whatever, and now we're just, it's, it's just this back and forth argument and, and elevated issues. And so how, how do you confront without conflict? Yeah. Well, um, I'll try to give you. Because that goes with truthfulness. If it's being truthful. No, this, I, is, this is all part of truthfulness and it's part of what's, what's in the book. And, and it's also, um, you know, a lot, of, I could go a lot deeper even than that. But first of all, you, you had hit on something that most people don't understand, and I didn't until I was taught it, that disagreement does not equal conflict. Right. And and if you handle it the right way and set it up the right way, it doesn't have to be conflict. Now, I'll talk through a couple, I'll just mention a couple principles I've learned through the years, but then also talk a little bit about an exercise that is great in marriages as well as work, um, if you don't mind. No, but, absolutely. So as far as principles, you're right. Don't disagreements, not conflict. Um, I would encourage people to, to, first of all, try to listen to understand, like you said, talk last, not first. And um, don't assume any motive of the other person in the disagreement. And certainly don't get your, I'd call it, don't get your dander up or don't, you know, don't yeah. get your energy up on it because it's our defensiveness and often our ego that causes that defensiveness to rise up within us. And when it's rising up to really pay attention to it. Um, the, in fact, I'll just give, give a business example. Um, when I would get in a contentious meeting where we're making a tough decision and we'd lay out all the facts um, because I wanted to speak last, not first, because I, if you want truthfulness, and if you go first with your opinion, everyone as the leader, they'll adjust their opinions based on what you said, because everyone's political to some degree. So it's called Socratic you know, questioning. I would get the facts out, ask people to get out their answers to and what they thought we should do. And I was listening to understand, not to defend my position. 
But then at the end, when I would decide what to do, I would try to go back around the room. And if they had, if I had disagreed with them, tell them why I did in a calm manner and why I thought we should go in a different direction so that everybody would feel heard. Now, that's, that's just good listening to make sure you're getting the truth. The exercise I was going to mention for what you're bringing up, which is how to have a really difficult conversation that goes beyond start, stop, continue. I used it in, in my marriage is um, state the issue that's upsetting you, and, but how it made you feel. Don't use the term, you did this, or you did this. This is, what, this is how you made me feel. And then they, they need to repeat back what you said before they can respond. Mm. Then when they respond, you, you say, okay, you got it, you heard me, now you go ahead. Then they do the, the reverse. They tell you how you made them feel and you can't respond until you've repeated back. And it sounds so basic, but it is amazing how that distills anger, that diminishes anger, I guess distills also okay. And, and then you do that a couple times back and forth and what seemed like this really contentious issue, once you've heard each other out of how it made you feel, it can really go away. And the truth doesn't have to destroy a relationship or destroy confidence. You know, if you do the stop, start, continue correctly, you can build confidence in somebody, always handle admonishment in a way that it, it allows a person to keep their dignity, which is one reason we say praise in public and admonish pride. When you, when you admonish publicly, you really hurt the person and sometimes will lead just because of that. So does that all make sense? Yeah, totally. And um, some of the things that come to mind, well, number one, um, truth, you know, here is I, I haven't always, um, and this leads into another question that I have for you because I haven't always, I, I'm a very strong um, personality, very strong kind of opinion, you know, and I, I like to share my opinion because I, I feel like, there's, there's strength in that. In other words, like if we're having a conversation and I disagree, I feel like there's strength in like, Hey, I, I, this is where I see it. Because if I don't just say that, if I'm just a yes person, I'm not helping you out at all. But at times I know like that can come off very strong. Um, so I, I like the idea of like understanding, like, so you, if I come off strong, you're trying to just pull it down by saying, Hey, I, this is what I hear you saying, is this what you're trying to say, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and I wrote down lead self to pull yourself back down. In other words, um, in a marriage situation, I've been, you know, in that where, uh, you know, my wife and I've been married 27 years and, you know, we've had many conversations. And so it's like many conversations that didn't go well. And I think about that because we've, we've, we've worked on some of that stuff as well. And inevitably those conversations still get out of control at times. And I'm learning um, as the leader, I have to take control of that conversation. I have to say, wait a minute here. I feel myself getting a little ramped up here and be bold to say, I apologize for that. I've responded in a, in a, in a wrong way here. So I think, I guess my, my question, you know, flip question there would be someone who is strong in an organization that you know, like, Hey, I go and have this conversation with them. I know they're going to just have this. How do you diffuse some of that? Um, because I think that's part of the challenge in facing that storm, facing that conversation with some, having that conversation with someone when you know that they're short fused, you know, um, all the time. And so 
what are some things, and this is, I know, kind of a little off where we've been, but, or where we were heading before, but I'm just curious about that. I just think that's a, a good conversation to have. Yeah, it, it is a great conversation. I, um, I actually have, and I'm thinking specifically one situation at Hershen uh, with a hot-tempered uh, employee. I actually used the same exercise of start, stop, continue, but, but it said, look, after this, I'm going to tell you how you made me feel. And I, I want you to repack, repeat back to me. I don't want you to react. And then mm. once I know you've understood me, then you can tell me how I'm making you feel. Cause clearly, you know, we both have our dander up here. And usually when I set it up like that, at least in this case, they, they were very calm. And if they really feel like, I think you're trying to look out for their own best interests, that helps as well. So it's really that same exercise I talked about for marriage. I use in relationships at work when, when I'm afraid it's going to blow up. Um, it hasn't always stopped it from blowing up, but at least it gives it a good chance of setting up the conversation before you go right there. Yeah, that's good. Let's switch gears just a little bit here. Um, if you don't mind, I'd, I'm curious because I know, um, you know, work life can always go good, but sometimes home life isn't going as well or personal. We'll say personal life, right? So a lot of times we have these own conversations. I call it the chatter that's happening inside of our heads and um, going through, you know, being a CEO of a major corporation is a lot of stress. Um, how do you, um, you know, I'm sure maybe you face some storms in that front as far as on the, the, the personal side of things. So how does one make that shift where they're, they are struggling and we're, we're talking to that person right now who, you know, seemingly everything's going well at work or maybe things are starting to crack at work and it is because their personal life is, is kind of chaotic. Their, their personal life is a wreck and they're, they're trying to handle it the best they can. They're maybe masking it in, in, in some ways or another, um, but things aren't going well. And how do they face that storm so that way it doesn't create another storm of losing their job or, or, or whatever. So, or marriage. Well, you know, uh, I can't say I'm, I'm an expert in doing it right. Cause I've also had incredible failures. Um, and maybe I'll just focus on, uh, the, the big storm I had in my own life when I, when I went to SeaWorld. So Hershend was where I learned leading with love. As I talked about, that's, I, that's when I wrote the book and I really was at the best place I've ever been in my life and was very focused on teaching these principles of love to other business leaders. But I also wanted the opportunity to do it in a public company because admittedly it's easier in a private company where the owners are completely supportive of it than a public company when you're at beholden to analysts and quarter by quarter results and SeaWorld for those that don't know it was in a real real bit of hurt. I mean, we, when Blackfish came out, um, which is a movie uh, about SeaWorld's uh, alleged mistreatment of, 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 of killer whales, it was run on CNN 500 times. And our, our favorability ratings as a company in the country went from 75% positive to only 30% positive. Mm. The CEO was let go. The stock dropped in half. I was brought in to turn it around. And, you know, that's a whole story in itself, but to, to get to your, your question, um, it was a lot, lot worse than I thought it would be. And 
um, we were making great progress on the outside of the company with the activists and the investors, where the numbers were starting to turn, but we had a, an activist board member who was uh, not a good person. Let's just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And I would literally, Tim, was working 20 hours a day and no exaggeration, always seven days a week. And it was wow. such a pressure cooker because we were running out of cash. I mean, our EBITDA dropped in half. SeaWorld had 25,000 employees, a lot of fixed costs. I can't describe, if I went through the list of all the things that happened to us between one of our employees before I got there, you know, spied on PETA and got arrested and it was front page in the newspapers. We had um, the previous CEO was accused of fixing the, the, the press releases. So there was a lawsuit against the company by the SEC. Justice Department lawyers were in to possibly arrest our executives. They were going to trial all the time. I mean, this, that's just three of the 20 things. I can't describe the pressure cooker that it was. And as a result, I, because of lack of sleep, and then I started to uh, drink a lot um, just to, to medicate the pain. I wasn't sleeping, wasn't thinking right. I, I was definitely in self-destructive behavior and ended up basically lying not only to my friends about my behavior, my accountability group, which, you know, what's, what good is an accountability group if you right. don't tell the truth? And I lied to my wife more than once. And as a result, ended up losing my marriage within six months of also resigning from SeaWorld because the activist investor and I just, you know, could not, could not <laughs> see eye to eye. So it was a, it was a really, really tough period, but I made three or four mistakes kind of going into the hole and it, and it took probably five years or so to get, get out of that hole. Mm -hmm. um, but glad to report that I finally have, and it's, it's really good on the other side. That's good. So what are some of the things that helped you, make that transition, you know, out to come out to the other side, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, so that someone who's maybe feeling that right now, like, gosh, it's just life's caving in on me right now. But if I get a handle on it soon enough, if I take, you know, maybe a couple of these steps soon enough, I'll yeah. be able to get out of here, you know, with not take five years, uh, potentially. Well, so. I tell you, there's a lot of people, Tim, as you know, that I, I hope what I'm about to say helps one person because there's a lot of trouble out there right now. I mean, suicide rates are at all the hotlines are 200% over their capacity, you know, depression, drugs. It's just, it's a mess out there because of this virus and mm. our lives are so affected. But let me, let me just hit a couple of things that I think I did really wrong. And then finally, right. Um, Perfect. You know, if I had to do it all over again, I was a lot of friends will tell you, Hey, do, do what makes you happy. But and they they intend well, but in the end of the day, what really makes a human being happy, I think, is being consistent with their value set, and that that's contentment. And you know, how can a guy who spent my whole life teaching love, believing in it, do the things I did because I was not healthy? I I didn't follow what I was saying, and and there's no worse feeling then the people who know you the best, like your wife, um, don't want to be with you. And it's because I, I, um, I was maybe chasing what I thought was happiness versus being consistent with my values, which leads to the second thing I did horribly wrong. Um, I wasn't truthful with myself. 
And there's so many people out there. I, I was justifying what I was doing and I wasn't being truthful to myself and I wasn't being truthful for others. As I look at it, back at it now, I know I can't believe I did it or did what I did, but in the middle of it, you justify it, but you're so unhealthy and so scared or medicated that you, you don't, you, you just make stupid decisions. Um, I also failed to get really good help soon enough. Um, most, especially us males, we think we try to take control of the situation and boy, I'm going to push through it. That's the only, <laughs> only trouble maybe for me with the Buffalo analogy is I charge so hard. I should have charged with a really smart Buffalo next to me. Like, <laughs> um, well, I always I, say the strength of the Buffalo is the strength of the herd, right? So surround yourself <laughs> with good, solid Buffaloes <laughs> that can help you. <laughs> I love that because there's so much wisdom in that. Mm -hmm. And I separated myself from my accountability group, I think, because I didn't want to hear what they had to say. I, I, you know, I wasn't honest with them. Um, I think, you know, on the positive side, you, to, to get at the people, what can I do right now? Yeah, be honest with yourself, but also do what you have to do to restore your soul. If I had been smart, I should, have, I should have resigned from SeaWorld when I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week, drinking too much. My wife and I were separated. I should have done what I needed to do to save the marriage and to, to heck with whether SeaWorld turned around or not. Mm. And in hindsight, I was seeking, living out of fear of failure at SeaWorld versus I should have been worried about losing my marriage mm. and seeking that restoration. So I would say do whatever you have to do to get out of whatever's putting you in the ditch, whether it's drinking too much, then go to an alcohol prop program. If it's, if it's your job, quit your job and save your marriage. I know it's easy to say um, and harder to do. And then the last thing that I would say we must do when we're, especially, you know, so many things, I, when people are in crisis, a lot of times it's their health or it's something that wasn't their fault. Most of my issues were self-inflicted wounds. And so you, in order to move forward when it's self-inflicted, we must forgive ourselves. And I, I thought about suicide so many times, Tim, because I couldn't forgive myself. And I, I just, I didn't see how my story going forward could be a positive one. You know, I thought, um, what can God do with somebody who's done what I I've done. And so I couldn't forgive myself. And finally, I went out to breakfast with a good friend of mine. And he said, Joel, do you think God's forgiven you? And I said, yeah, I, I, I believe God has. That's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, then who are you to play God? Mm -hmm. right? if, if God's forgiven you, you need to forgive yourself. And it was interesting that once I did that, and then once I stopped, you know, I stopped the drinking for a long period of time, um, I got to a place where I wanted to live again, and I knew I had a story that I still loved Jesus. I still wanted to live that way. I had made horrendous mistakes, but those mistakes were not going to define me. Yeah, you know, I, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do everything about who I am going forward. And that's to start with being an honest man in everything I do, including my golf score, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mulligans. And, um, it's, thank God I met a wonderful woman, you know, 
couple of years after I was divorced, I met someone that and now we are remarried. And so I do want to say I've learned a lot. I regret a lot of what I did. But for those in the in the midst of it, get out of the situation, forgive yourself and, and move forward. So this is helps. Yeah, I think it's we're it's so easy to give grace to other people, but we hold it back from ourselves. You know, our, our brain's wired to be quite negative. You know, there's some good research out there that I think because of our evolution of fight or flight, mm-hmm. our brains tend to go to the negative. Yeah. Our bodies want to be healthy and heal, but our brains right. make us a cesspool of negative thinking. And um, boy, you can see it in somebody in a hurry. Well, and I, I think, you know, to your point earlier about just getting your soul healthy, because our bodies want to heal themselves, like you said, but our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? Our mind, if our mind is whacked out, if we're putting the wrong things in, if we're allowing the loop to continue to go, the negative self-talk, the, the you know, just putting ourselves down, our emotions are going to start lining up with that. And when our mind and our emotions are in alignment with each other, Who's left out here to dry, to dry? You know, it's our will. And so we're not going to will ourselves to go do what is right when, when our, our, our mind and our emotions are over here playing you know, wrecking havoc on it. So we need to work on our soul and get our mind healthy, get our emotions healthy, you know, and so that we can go do um, the will that we're supposed to do. And, yeah. and so... That's, that's a really good one. I, I had not heard that before and I wrote it down that you're right. You, you lose your will quickly when your mind, and your emotions are, are unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and I, that's just something that I've been, you know, I feel like the Lord has really put on my heart this year is the word soul. And um, so I've read, you know, soul keeping um, the good and beautiful God, which is all about really the, these narratives that we have of God and then Jesus's narrative, and then it has soul work. So you do these soul practices to help nourish your soul. Yeah. And, and, and as I was going through these books, I was just really understanding this, like, wait a minute, when we're to face the storm, generally the reason why we don't is our mind is telling us to go the other way. Our mind doesn't want to do difficult things. Our mind doesn't want to have the tough conversation. And so our emotions start to get all worked up over that. So, we're not, they're not going to go run away from the storm. And then our will is like, Nope, I'm going to go this way. You know, they're gang, it's ganged up on at that moment. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's going to go the direction that the other two are pulling on. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's just something that I've been very mindful of this year is like, how is my soul? You know, what, what is my mind like? What are my thoughts like? Um, Dr. Um, Dr. Car- uh, Carolyn Leaf talks about you should be thinking about what you think about every 10 seconds. You know, she's, a neuro- <laughs> she's a neuroscientist. And so and, and, you know, in, in, in the biblical terms, that would be taking every thought captive. Right. right? And, and it's, it's very uh, time consuming, it sounds, but it is a practice. And you have to continually to practice like questioning, like, what am, why did I think true. that? Why am I doing that? Absolutely true, Tim. I even I wrote that in the chapter of my recovery in the book is following Jesus' principles are following healthy principles. If, if people are not believers, healthy thoughts, yeah. it's not a daily practice. It is minute by minute, yes. hour by hour, and you have to catch it and nip it in the butt right away. And sometimes I wonder why are we wired that way, you know, when we're built in the image of God. But on the other hand, um, there's just 
it's a, it's a great test for us to, and it's, it's about counting your blessings every day yeah. too. We are so blessed as a country and as individuals, but sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. Uh, so true. So true. Well, I know um, you've got another call coming up and so I want to be respectful of that, but it has been, uh, this has been an awesome conversation and awesome talk and you've, you've given us a lot of work to do. I took literally uh, two pages of notes. And so uh, listeners, please go back, take some notes and uh, write down these frameworks. These frameworks will work in your life and, and put them into practice. And before we get out of here, um, Joel, your book uh, was just, the second edition was just released. Uh, can you tell us a little bit where they can find that? Yeah, absolutely. The, be the best place is joelmanby.com, just my name.com. Um, and if you buy it there, it's just the same as Amazon, but you also get some additional resources, like a three-part video on how to lead in a crisis, which mm -hmm. we're in the awesome. right now. Yeah. It's certainly available on Amazon or Audible if you're a listener. Yeah. And uh, so I appreciate that. I appreciate any support. And uh, I really like what you're doing here, Tim, and helping people get through big struggles in life. Uh, we all go through them. And anybody who doesn't admit that is not telling you the truth. And it's part of the problem. It's part of the reason I wrote the book is even though it appears I've had all the success, I've also had some horrific failures. And, and that's true with anybody. And so thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. You bet. And thank you for writing that book. It's a great resource. I'm definitely going to get my hands on it um, because as you were talking about, you know, the values, uh, truthful to yourself, fall, you know, all these, this thing that you were falling into, I could see myself in 2014. I went through a major crisis where I almost threw my marriage away. And um, every single one of those, I could see myself. I knew what was right. I walked away from some values, still kind of hanging on to them here. They're more like ideals, right? And so, uh, great stuff. So, thank you again. I appreciate it. And this has been a, an, an awesome conversation. Well, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, my friends. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you did, do me a huge favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. That will definitely help us get this message out to more people. Also, if you haven't done so already, let's connect. You can connect with me on my website, timdouglasinspires.com, and or on the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found me. Lastly, stay tuned for more to come. And I definitely want to thank you again for subscribing, for sharing, this with your friends, leaving a review, all that good fun stuff. So until next time, go out there, face your storms, make your difference in the world, and we'll see you next time on the Inspired Way podcast. Thank you.